Have you ever wondered what it's going to be like on Resurrection Day? You know, as Christians, we believe that when Jesus returns, the dead will be raised. But how will they be raised? What will they look like? What kind of body will they have? What if they've been dead a long time, thousands of years, and there's nothing left to resurrect? You know, I remember wondering about this as a kid at Dixon Mounds. That was before they sealed over the excavated remains so they were no longer visible. It really bothered me seeing all those skeletons lying there waiting for the resurrection in a museum. There wasn't much left to resurrect. And I really wondered about the ones in glass cases. (laughs) Yeah, how would they get out? (laughs) You know, I I realized it would be easier to get out of a glass case than a vault and casket, but I didn't think about that. In fact, it's almost too much to think about. The whole idea of the resurrection, especially a bodily resurrection. It's, it's hard to wrap our head around it. Well, you know, if the body's preserved, a resurrection seems feasible. In fact, the ancient Egyptians were convinced that was the only way they could be resurrected. So they took great pains to preserve the body. And, and I can't help but wonder if our practice of embalming uh, has some unconscious links to, to that kind of thinking. But what if someone's cremated? <laughs> what if they die in the desert and vultures eat their body? <laughs> you know, what if? What if? What if? It just doesn't seem possible that everyone will be bodily resurrected. And that was the conclusion reached by some in the Corinthian church. In fact, they had decided that a bodily resurrection was impossible. And apparently, they had set out to convince the others that they were right. And Paul may, in fact, be quoting them in 1 Corinthians 15.35 when he writes... But some will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You know, from his response, it will become apparent these weren't merely hypothetical questions, but were in fact challenges that had been directed to those who believed in the resurrection of the dead. With an air of intellectual superiority, those who didn't believe were challenging the rest to defend something that they had deemed illogical and impossible. Now, seriously, they say. Now, how could anyone believe dead bodies could rise again? And if they did, what kind of body would be raised from decaying matter or dry bones or dust. The whole idea was absurd. Well, thankfully, Paul 
met their challenge. And in doing so, He helps us to better understand the nature of our resurrected bodies. And He begins, after a harsh rebuke, by simply pointing out that a resurrected body is different than the body that is sowed. Continuing on in verses 36 through 40. You fool! That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as He wished. And to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. Paul begins by saying, in effect, you think you're so smart. You think you're so smart. You've decided it's impossible for a body to resurrect after it has died and decayed. You think it's foolish to believe that it's possible. But trying to be wise, you've become fools. Open your eyes to what's all around you. A demonstration of the resurrection can be seen in something you do all the time. What happens when you plant a seed in the ground? It dies. It decays. If it didn't, if it stayed a perfect seed, you would never get anything from it. It has to die to become what it is meant to to be. And obviously, you don't plant a seed just to get the seed back. You sow it to get a plant that is different than the seed, a plant that God has designed for a particular purpose. Some seeds have the potential to become food to sustain life. Some, trees for shelter, and others, flowers just to beautify the world. God has obviously put the potential for what He wants into the seeds He wants. And by experience and by discovering the relationship between seeds and the plants they produce, we can predict what kind of plant will come from a particular seed. Now, we know a kernel of corn will produce a stalk of corn with an ear of corn on it. We know an acorn, an oak tree, and so on. The seed changes, but what is produced is predictable. It's related to the seed. In fact, it's really the same seed, only in a different form. Our resurrected bodies will be like that. Our body won't be the same old body. It will be different like the plant that comes from a seed that dies. 
And God has ordained what it'll be like, just as he has ordained what will come from a particular seed. It will be designed for life beyond the grave. Now, it shouldn't come as a shock to discover that God fashions bodies differently for different purposes and environments. He made men different from beasts of burden and They were designed differently so they could function differently. And they were even made out of different kinds of flesh, each suited for God's purposes. And birds, they are different than animals. They're suited for flying above the earth. And fish, they are designed for life underwater. In a similar way, God has designed heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Earthly bodies are designed for earthly life, and heavenly bodies for heavenly life. They aren't the same. They can't be. While we're here on earth, we have an earthly body. But when we go to heaven, we will have a heavenly body. It's kind of like a tadpole becoming a frog. You know, a tadpole is designed for life strictly underwater. But the frog for life also on land. Now, they're not two different creatures. The tadpole becomes the frog it was always intended to be and has the potential to be. And it doesn't just become any frog It never loses its identity. It simply changes from one form into another. Well, kind of like a tadpole, we have to change from a form designed for earthly life to a form designed for heavenly life. Now, we don't slowly grow wings, you know, like a tadpole does legs. Instead, we follow the pattern of seed that dies and springs to life again in a different form. But all of this, all of this could be understood by just observing life around us. It's really not all that far-fetched. Our resurrected bodies will be different from the bodies we now have. And that, quite frankly, means the preservation of our present body is totally irrelevant. We'll have a different body after the resurrection. A body even more marvelously designed, more glorious than the one we now have. And Paul expands on the glory of our heavenly body as he continues. Verses 41 through 44. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, 
there is also a spiritual body. The mention of heavenly bodies apparently got Paul thinking about the sun, moon, and stars. And he saw an analogy there as well. He says, not all heavenly bodies are the same. They have a glory that is far different from anything on earth, but they differ from one another also. So will we differ from one another in heaven. We won't all be the same. We'll all have heavenly glory, but we won't lose our identity. We will differ as star differs from star in glory. We won't all be alike, but we will share some characteristics that will distinguish us as heavenly bodies. We definitely won't be earthy anymore. While we will have been sown a perishable body, we will be raised an imperishable one. This body that we now have wears out, grows old. It has a limited life expectancy. Our new one won't. It will never get sick, break down, wear out, grow old, or decay. That decaying body we put into the ground will be raised an incorruptible one. That body that will be sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. Now, that sounds a little awkward until you remember that these bodies do have a way of embarrassing us. They sag, they groan, they smell, and they eventually get so bad we have to discard them. Now, we do try to have honorable funerals, but when you get right down to it, we are really just disposing of a body that would become a very offensive thing if we didn't fill it with chemicals, seal it in the container, and bury it in the ground. But like a seed that is planted, a new glorious body will come from that old dishonorable one. And whereas that old earthly body was weak, the new one will be strong. In fact, it won't be limited by physical forces at all. It won't be limited by nature because it will no longer be a natural body. It will be a spiritual body. Now, that does not mean we will just be a spirit floating around. Paul makes it clear that we will have a tangible body. But it will be spiritual in nature, designed for spiritual life. Now, we'll get a better picture of that in just a minute. But first, Paul wants to make it absolutely clear that if there is a natural body, there will also be a spiritual body. One follows the other. One is seed, if you please, for the other. And the one to follow will be more glorious in every respect than the one that preceded it. In fact, our heavenly bodies will be just like Jesus' resurrected body. Let's read on. 45 through 49. So also it is written, The first man, Adam, 
became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Paul goes back to his comparison of Adam and Jesus here. He says, Adam became a living soul. He was created by God out of the dust of the ground and given life. But he was more than just animated flesh. God personally breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and gave him the capacity to think, to reason, to will, to enter into a relationship with him. God gave him a soul. Adam was now perfectly fitted for life on earth as God intended. He was a person made in God's image, but limited to physical life on a physical earth. Now, that, that would have been good enough if man hadn't sinned. God could have continued to commune with man on a physical level forever. But from the beginning, God knew man would sin and would have to be cut off from him. If man had been made a spiritual being initially and had rebelled, he would have had to have been banished from God's presence eternally, as were apparently the fallen angels, other than Satan, of course, who had another role to play. But by creating man a physical being, allowing him to rebel and see the consequences of his rebellion on a physical level first, God left open the possibility of man's choosing to be reunited with him on a higher level. This he made possible through Jesus, the last Adam. A life-giving spirit. One who could give life on a spiritual level. Now, do notice that spiritual life is not first. Natural life is. We are not spiritual beings to begin with that inhabit physical bodies for a time and then go back to being spiritual again as the Mormons and, and others teach. No, the natural comes first. As Adam was created physical, so we begin as physical, earthy. We come into being when we are conceived. And we live a physical life, as did Adam. But that's not all God has in mind for us. He wants us to choose to live with Him forever in a world not bound 
by the physical. And this he makes possible through Jesus. Jesus wasn't created a physical being as was Adam. He had existed with the Father from eternity. He merely took on human form. He was heavenly by nature. And Paul says, just as we have borne the image of the earthy, a physical body like Adam's, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly, a spiritual body like Jesus' resurrected body. That is what our heavenly body will be like. It will be like Jesus' resurrected body. A body that was tangible, that had form. You know, Jesus even said it was flesh and bone. But it was a different kind of flesh and bone. It wasn't limited to physical law. He could appear and disappear at will. He could eat if he wished, but apparently didn't have to. It was a body that looked like the old body, but it was spiritual. It could exist on earth, or it could ascend to heaven. It was perfectly fashioned for eternal life with God anywhere. Ours will be like that also. If our eternal home will be in a strictly spiritual realm, our resurrected body will be equal to it. If our eternal home will be on a new earth, as Scripture seems to indicate, it will be equal to that as well. If it's a combination of both, that will be fine too. Whatever our eternal life will be like, our resurrected bodies will have been specially created by God for it. Just as He designed birds for the air and fish for the sea, so will we have a body designed for eternal life. So yes, there will be a bodily resurrection of the dead. But no, we won't come back with the same old body we had while on earth. That body will have given way to the new body God has designed for eternity. A body just like Jesus' resurrected body. And everyone will be given a resurrected body. The spiritual follows the natural for everyone. But sadly, not everyone will be resurrected to live eternally in the presence of God. Some will be resurrected only to face judgment and to then be cut off eternally from the presence of God. Even though God has made it possible to come into His presence, not everyone chooses to do so.
Some refuse to accept the gift of eternal life with him, made possible through his son. And that choice is made while we are in our physical bodies. So what about you? What have you chosen? You will be resurrected. That was guaranteed the moment you were conceived. The question is, to what will you be resurrected? Jesus is calling you to an eternal life with him. But the choice is yours.